This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Charlie Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Hey Denver, it's Bree. This weekend on CityCast Denver, we've got something spicy for you. It's a live mayoral forum I moderated earlier this week with the two remaining candidates for mayor, Kelly Bruff and Mike Johnston. But this one's got a great twist. As I asked them progressively more difficult questions, they had to eat progressively spicier hot wings. So please enjoy the show and thanks so much to our partners, New Era Colorado, One Colorado, Cobalt, and Color Latina. Hey, everybody. Let's give it up one more time for Juicy Mr. Meaner. What an amazing show. Um, in the tradition of drag performance, you can tip Juicy as well as there are QR codes throughout the venue. If you want to Venmo Juicy, I would highly recommend it. We need to pay our artists more all the time right now. Well, thank you guys for being here. Um, as you know, this is a Hot Ones-themed debate, and uh, if you have been living in the city for the last, I don't know, three months, you would know there have already been 27,000 debates between the two folks we're going to see tonight, so we thought we'd spice it up. And it's not just that the wings are going to be spicy. The questions are going to get spicier and spicier. Some of these come from you all in the audience, and then um, the rest of them come from all of the amazing organizations that are working on this uh, event tonight, One Colorado, Color Latina, New Era Colorado, and Cobalt, all representing amazing work that we do here around reproductive justice, around voter engagement, and all the things um, that make the city wonderful. So just to explain a little bit of what's gonna be happening, um, Mike and Kelly will be served five rounds of wings, beginning with mild five rounds, I know. They were like, are you gonna do this too? And I was like, I'm not running for office, so no, I will, sorry, I will not be. Um, and we will be working our way up to the hottest hot sauce that our friends at Fire on the Mountain have on the menu. And so we've got Fire on the Mountain represented, and then we've got some secret weapons in here too. This is some spicy ass shit, you guys. So <laughs> CityCast Denver did our own hot sauce challenge, also which I did not participate in. I just watched my colleagues sweat. and. We really tested these, so this is like no shit spicy stuff. Um, so again, the, qu the questions will get hotter. At any rate, you know how it goes. Okay, and I don't even need to say their last names, Kelly and Mike. I think we all know who you guys are by now. Um, let's start, though. I would like to introduce Kelly Bruff to the stage. And now I'd like to welcome Mike Johnston to the stage. You are somebody that I don't know, but you're taking shots. I was like, this one has a little buildup, but I'm pretty sure everyone in this room knows 
That's a T-Swift song. Okay. <laughs> so those were your walk-on songs. I'm sad I didn't get to play Raise Up by Petey Pablo, which would have been my walk-on song. But again, we are here to hear from you both. Uh, Kelly, why did you pick Aretha Franklin's Respect? Uh, well, she's the soul of Queen. But listen... Um, you know what I love about when that song, uh, it was actually first recorded by Otis Redding, and then uh, when Aretha recorded it, it was all about not just gender rights, but racial issues in our nation and trying to remove racial discrimination. I love it, and I think nobody sings it better than Aretha, and I've loved it my whole life. Thank you. I agreed on all counts. Mike, you chose Taylor Swift. You need to calm down. <laughs> Are you telling us something that we need to calm down? <laughs> Not at all. No, that was um, uh, heavy lobbying from my daughter, uh, who is a massive Taylor Swift oh, song. Oh, good choice. Um, you have great taste. And, uh, and it is a song that is about inclusion and uh, equity and making sure this is a safe place for everybody. So loved it on two fronts. I love that as well. Well, thank you both. Get a little peek into your music taste. I don't need to see your Spotify playlist after this uh, to make sure you're still that cool all the way through. Um, okay, anyway, no. Let's get to the... The spice we're going to be bringing up uh, first, Fire on the Mountain's lime cilantro flavored wings. I'm looking around like I know where the wings come out of. I have no. Oh, and a gallon of milk. Ouch. You got to chug this. Great. Oh, you're not supposed to have water. <laughs> Thank you. You guys excited to let people watch you eat? That, Seems that's all the milk. Awkward. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, sure. Welcome to Town Hall Collaborative where you get a giant glass of milk at your... Every table gets a giant glass of milk. All right, so if you, if you guys want to dig in, I can't ask you questions until you have a mouthful of chicken. So let's get this party started. <coughs> oh, that's really delicious. <laughs> oh, we're also going to get your feedback on, was it good? Okay. Uh, well, my first question is for you, Mike. Um, Mike, in the last five years, you've run for governor, Senate, and now Denver mayor. Uh, I, think I, I think voters want to know, uh, why you just run in for an office till you like hit one that works, or? <laughs> just kidding. Is it the pizza diet of campaigning? But seriously, why are you running for mayor of Denver? I had to wait till I got to come to a debate where they fed me chicken wings. <laughs> and I sat behind you like a creep asking you questions. <laughs> Took a while to find it. Um, no, I think for me, I um, have always tried to approach life decisions as not kind of what is it you want to be, but what is it that you want to change? Uh, and then what is the role you need to be in to make that change that matters the most to you? Uh, and for me, um, I've been out of politics the last three or four years. I was working at a foundation here in Denver, but working uh, very deeply on some of the biggest challenges the city was facing, particularly around homelessness and around access to affordable housing. And although we got some really great work done around the state on this, including in partnership with a lot of the coalitions here working on Proposition 123, which for the first time took on affordable housing and homelessness statewide. Um, thank you for the snaps. Thank you for Bianca who ran that campaign. Um, I also realized <clears throat> that even though resources matter, the real way we're gonna take on these problems 
is to have a mayor who's 100% committed to making sure that homelessness and affordable housing are on the top of the priority list, and that unifies all of the resources the city has, uh, from how we approach what law enforcement does, to what planning and zoning does, to what mental health does, to what addiction treatment does. And if we don't combine all of those services into a coordinated strategy, uh, we're not gonna get out of this problem. And for me, this was the one role that offers you the chance to actually make a profound impact on that most important thing I wanted to change. All right. Kelly, <clears throat> you're besties with the owner of Trax. You received an endorsement from the owner of the Triangle. Where can we find you celebrating Pride this weekend? Or, I'm sorry, during Pride weekend, where will we find you celebrating? And how do you plan to show up for the queer community as mayor? Yeah. Um, I'll start by uh, saying you will find me probably at Blush and Blue, Trax, Triangle. Uh, we'll you're be hitting all it all. It. Okay. Yeah, we'll hit it all. Um, I'll show up the same way I've showed up throughout my life. Frankly, this community um, has also shown up for me in such meaningful ways when I've had real challenges. Um, but specifically, when I was the head of the Chamber of Commerce, um, we got the chance to actually lead the business community and support our LGBTQ plus community by opposing some of the bills that were directed um, um, called religious freedom, but we all know what they really were, was direct discrimination against people in our community. And I'm extremely proud that we got the Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce in opposition to that, but we didn't stop there. Uh, I also was able to have the chamber submit an amicus brief um, on the Masterpiece Cake Shop uh, and go all the way to the Supreme Court with one Colorado fighting what we know is discrimination against our community. Um, and we didn't stop there. We continued to work with businesses throughout the nation and chambers to say this is a critical issue for all of us to protect our employees, uh, our communities, and align as a business community. And as mayor, I'll have even more freedom and capacity to do continue that work. And frankly, it's becoming more and more important as we see rising hate crimes and the issues we face today. Um, as your mayor, I'll not only continue to drive it uh, and my voice, but I'll bring more to the table so we increase the voices protecting our LGBTQ plus community. Thank you. Okay. We're going to go on to the next round of wings. This, uh, this, this, this round is delicious. Does anyone okay. want one? <laughs> no, I don't. No, no, no. I don't want you to get a stomachache. That would be weird. Okay, really we've good. got... <laughs> we've got a Sauce Leopard's The Colfax Killer Tropical Habanero... Oh, yeah. So we're, we're heating it up a little bit. Thank you. Colfax Killer. Thanks, Different I connotation think. these days, I guess. Let you guys dig into that. Sauce Leopard was on Hot Ones, so I think this is a good spicy one. What, I don't what number know. is this one? This is 40, this is number two, round two, 40,000 Scoville units. Mm. Does that make sense to all you hot sauce freaks in the audience? Okay. I guess mm. it's, it's, it's classified as hella spicy. Okay. Great. Okay, so we're digging in. It like has mango or something. It I, is. It's tri I, It's mango habanero. I, I looked very deeply at the low, at yeah. the uh, label. I, so yes, you're correct. Um, okay, so our next question uh, involves uh, reproductive health care. Reproductive health care, including abortion, has been under attack across the country, and Colorado has become a safe haven for reproductive health care. We are now seeing patients from in and out of the state come to Denver to receive abortion care, and we need all hands on deck to accommodate these new needs due to the fall of Roe versus Wade. 
What can we do as a city to make sure that Denver's reproductive health care resources can keep up with this demand? Uh, Kelly? Yeah, this is such a... Uh, first, I think we should all continue to speak and support and be proud that we're a state in the nation that ensures uh, people have access to the reproductive rights. And, and be extremely proud that the rest of the country um, is, is counting on us, frankly, uh, that they can get their health care needs met here. I think the challenge for us will be as we see more and more people who need uh, that support and care is making sure that that support and care is also available to our own residents. And so I think some of this has to do with uh, addressing that we don't allow all of our health insurance, particularly our publicly paid health insurance, to cover those services. <clears throat> I'm interested in even looking at, for the city and county of Denver, our own insurance, how we can create a fund to ensure our employees have full access to the services and support they need uh, because of the language in our constitution, and that we continue to explore how we change that. Because we know this is a health care issue, and it, has, um, and, and it has to be for every single person in our city. And so I would continue to do the work to expand coverage and ensure that we maintain the haven that we are. Kelly, can I get you to say abortion on the record? Abortion on the record. Thank you. All right, Mike. Yeah, when you think about the fact that tonight it's very likely that in the coming years, Denver will be one of the only places in Colorado, one of the only states within maybe 1,000 miles where people can have access to unrestricted care, including abortion care. Um, that is something that's going to be massively important. You're going to have women who are living in Texas or in Oklahoma or in Kansas or in Nebraska who are going to have to wonder where they can go for care. And I think Denver should take a great source of pride in being that oasis and being that beacon where we say, uh, we see you, we will provide you access to services, we want you to be able to come to a place where you feel uh, respected and, and where you know that your full access to care is available. Uh, and so I think Denver has to do that. We also have to, uh, there's a couple of key things I put out as part of our uh, agenda on choice, which are, first, we wanna make sure we're protecting providers. So we make sure that providers have the security they need to be able to do their work without threat and harassment. Uh, we wanna make sure we're protecting patients uh, so that they can get access to care without having to be discriminated against. We want to make sure there's no discrimination in the workplace around people that choose to access uh, that kind of reproductive care, including abortion. And we want to make sure we can both be an oasis for folks that are coming from afar to get access to care. And we have to make sure that, make sure that, that women who are here don't get put in the back of the line because of that increased demand. That means we have to find every way that we can uh, to make sure we make that access easier. Uh, and I think there are real equity issues happening right now. For instance, right now we know if you are someone that is in uh, one of our county jails, you can very likely not get access to care. Uh, I wanna see how we can make sure and reverse that path. I also wanna see how we can make sure that our employees, we have more than 11,000 employees across the city and county who right now cannot get access to abortion care and other services uh, if they're one of our employees. Part of what you do to attract people to wanna work in this city and live in this city is that you offer them a full access to healthcare. And so we need to, as a city, take on the same challenge. But I'm very proud uh, to make sure that this will be a city that is uh, defiantly proud to be open to services. I still had 10 seconds. <laughs> now time's up. All right, time's up. Thank you both. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Juicy. Thank you. That was what we call a premature buzzer. <laughs> so uh, next up, we've got the Sauce Leopard's 7th Reaper, which was actually featured on Hot Ones at 59,000 Scoville units. Thank you.
Thank you. Thanks so much. Let you guys dig into that. Mike, you got your phone out. I'm going to need you to check the Nuggets game score for me because I am missing that right now. I don't know the score, but I would love to have someone tell me. <laughs> the Alpha Dads up here need to know what the score is of the Nuggets-Lakers game, right. please. Are eat, we crushing eat fast. them? Oh, it's not started yet. Perfect. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We're digging in. Okay, since the beginning of December, Denver has seen thousands of migrants arrive from the southern border, many of whom are passing through our city on their way to other destinations. As the mayor of Denver, how will you support these recent migrants and asylum seekers? Mike? By giving them my extra wings as a starter. <laughs> thank you. We'll package um, those up and send them on. Um, thank you. Um, for me, um, there are two things. The first important thing is how we actually talk about this crisis right now, which is I think if we start to pit migrants against the folks who live in the city by saying these folks are going to draw down our resources, they're going to cut back city services, that is how you set up the kind of racial hostility that grows around what should be a city that is welcoming and that provides services. Uh, and so I want to start by saying we know these people are coming looking for the American dream. They're fleeing countries that are denying them rights and basic degrees of safety and protection. And we should be proud that they want to come to this country. We now should also be able to provide them uh, services. And the, what I heard, I went down to visit folks at the Welcome Center this last week. And what they would say over and over again is what they want more than anything is the ability to work. They're not looking for charity. They're not looking for help. They want a job. I also get calls from employers who are saying, I want to hire these folks right away. Can I please hire them? The only crisis we have is we have a federal government that won't allow people who want to work to get hired by people who want them to work. Um, and so I think the first step for us is we've got to call Secretary Mayorkas and Biden and say that they should allow these folks temporary protective status so they can work while their asylum claims are being, are being processed. And the second is to help them get to where they're trying to go. When I talk to them, more than 70% of the migrants were not trying to arrive in Denver. They're on the way to try to see family in Chicago or Boston or LA. They just got dropped on a bus in El Paso and sent to Denver. We ought to be able to help earlier proactively by talking to nonprofits in El Paso and saying, let's find the folks that are heading to Chicago and get them there. Let's find the folks that are heading to Boston and get them there. So the folks that arrive in Denver are really trying to make their home here, and we can help them. And I would also say we can work with the broader region to make sure Denver doesn't carry all of the support and cost, but that we have more support from around the region and around the state to make sure we can help people get access to the American dream that they're after. Thank you. Kelly. Uh, lots of similarities in what Mike said. Um, I, uh, in December, when we first had uh, an influx of people seeking asylum in our nation, I volunteered at Rudy Park Rec Center, and I've uh, gone to the intake centers. And, you know, I, I know we spend a lot of time, frankly, in this campaign talking about the things that we're struggling with as a nation and in our city. Uh, but what I was reminded of, besides that my saliva is like frickin' on overtime here. <laughs> What I was reminded of um, is uh, people will risk their lives and travel across continents to get to this nation. Um, and for many, it was maybe the first time in their lives they felt safe and in a place where they had some real opportunity. And I felt a lot of pride about what we are doing as a city and doing everything we can to help them find their place uh, in our nation. Um, it is true, about 70%, it sounds like, uh, are actually trying to get someplace else in our country. And it seems like we could sort that out a little earlier and help people on their journey. Uh, for me, though, this issue uh, takes five months uh, right now for the government to even consider giving them a temporary work permit. 
Uh, it takes years for them to sort out their status. I think what every single one of us knows is not allowing people to work while they're waiting for their asylum status in our country sets them up to fail and sets us up to fail. And so I think every step I take will be about let's let people work. We need them. We need them here. We want them here. They want to be here. There's a path forward, and we can do it with or without the federal government. Thank you, Kelly. I'm going to need you both to eat another wing because I have another question, and I don't have another hot sauce yet. So please torture yourselves. Multiple rounds. Oh, wait. Well, okay, on the list it doesn't say we have one coming, so... Okay. Can you hold it? I can hold it. I can hold it. Okay, because that's not till the next question. <laughs> too many cooks in this kitchen. Excessive winging right here. <laughs> excuse the, excuse the over, overdoing of the wings. Okay. <clears throat> next question. Uh, New Era Colorado analyzed statewide data to see where young people can and can't afford housing. Almost half of young people can't afford rent in Denver, where we are right now. And at all levels of government, candidates and elected officials have talked about the housing crisis, but significant housing reform legislation has failed in Denver and at the state level. Young people in the city have lost hope that they can afford to live here. In the next year, no bullshit, how will you tackle Denver's affordable housing crisis, and what will we see as a result of your leadership? Am I, am I going first? Oh, sorry, yes, yep, Kelly, you're first. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> I'm so glad I had another wing. Um, uh, the first thing and a high priority has to be that we start to use programs like master leasing or third-party leasing where either Denver Housing Authority or a nonprofit starts to engage in master leasing to bring down some of the price of our rents immediately so our residents can afford to live in the city. The reason I... I've just swallowed wrong. Um, or I swallowed right, but it's really freaking hot. I'm, try I'm trying hard not to cuss because there's kids and we're Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Mike, to your daughter. Um, She's okay. Okay. Uh, in addition, though, the thing I also particularly like about master leasing is not only can we help people immediately be able to afford to live in our city, uh, but it also starts to focus on prevention for unhoused. Because now uh, we get a phone call through that third-party leasing where if someone's in trouble, we can actually help cover their rent, ensure people stay housed, and start to get ahead of the challenge we face today with more people losing their housing uh, than we're able to rehouse currently in our city. This, I think, is just critical. And then I also believe there's a lot of uh, young people who have good jobs who could afford to buy condos if we just had an affordable condo. So what you would see me do is start to build a for sale condo product on publicly owned land so that you can not only live in the city you work, but you can begin to own in the city you work and build wealth um, for your family and your future. Thanks, Kelly. Mike? Uh, thank you. I don't think I've drank a straight glass of milk since I was about 12, so, and I'm definitely gonna be doing it tonight, so thank you for stretching my horizons. Um, Really glad this uh, came up. Not just what I uh, would do, but what uh, I've already worked on is around how do we fundamentally make sure people can afford to live in the city. It's true for young people. It's also true for our most important public servants. It's true that about 80% of teachers, nurses, firefighters, servers cannot afford to live in the city tonight. Uh, we can't afford a city where the people that run this city can't afford to live. 
And so that was why we worked on Proposition 123, and I'll tell you exactly what I would do with the $300 million a year that that now puts into affordable housing, uh, is I would commit to, over the next eight years, trying to build 25,000 or convert 25,000 units that are permanently affordable. That would be like breathing fire onto the microphone <laughs> right now. Um, and what that means to be permanently affordable is it means that no one has to pay more than 30% of what their income is to rent. And so if you are a 22-year-old on your first job or you're a teacher, you're making $40,000 a year, you don't pay more than $1,000 a month in rent. That not only provides you affordability, it actually provides you stability because that rent is, is, is by law, stays at that rate unless your income goes up. So that means you don't have to get afraid every single month, what happens if the landlord comes back and jacks my rent up? What happens if someone buys the building and decides to turn it all into market rate units? These units stay affordable and stay affordable forever. Um, and so that's the most important part of, I think, the process. And that's one of the reasons why I was so motivated to be mayor is because now that we have those resources, we need a mayor who's going to lead aggressively to be able to build and convert those units so we can make sure the city stays affordable before we lose all the folks that are supporting us. Thanks, Mike. <clears throat> okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Trish, didn't mean to false. Okay. <clears throat> All right, next up. <clears throat> the, the, vol the volume of sauce also seems to be increasing in addition to the heat of the sauce. Oh, yes. This one's going to be in a vat we're going to have to fish out of the sauce. Okay. That's like a lifeline that we're supposed to have? And Kelly and Mike, can you speak more directly into the mics because it's not picking up on the live stream? Just FYI. We're getting there. Oh, We're getting there. I'll tell you. The heat. The heat. So the heat is a husband and wife duo out of Lakewood. They make this hot sauce, and they originally sold it out of their bar in Lakewood, which is like my favorite story. you got to go to a bar and ask a guy for it. Uh, the bar is called Fiddlesticks, but this stuff is hot. For real. It's, it's like, this is the hot stuff. So... I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you guys. Oh, we had a rancher blue cheese option. I grabbed the blue cheese. I would be ranch. Major differences in this campaign are now emerging. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right. I'm also flats, by the way. Okay. Uh, okay. Many. Okay. Many members of the community, including LGBTQ folks, people of color, and young people, face hostility when interacting with the Denver Police Department. Both of your public safety plans include expanding police presence in our community. I want to know, and I think everybody here wants to know, how specifically are you going to hold DPD accountable? Uh, Mike, we'll start with you. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that's a hot one. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the real deal right there. So um, uh, I think there are a couple things that are really matter here. One is it makes sense that we actually send officers to the right t uh, responses at the right time. We know if you have someone in a mental health crisis, the last thing you want to do is send an officer to that situation. That actually is going to escalate that situation, not de-escalate it. So I think it is about more officers, but it's also about more mental health responders for mental health crisis. It's about more paramedics and EMTs if someone is in an overdose. It's absolutely a not more heat on the wings. That is not what it's not about. You do not need any more of that. Um, uh, but also, it's about how we recruit differently, how we train differently, and how we deploy officers differently. To, and then it's how we hold them accountable. Quickly, recruiting is we want to recruit more diverse officers from the neighborhoods that they're serving so they have relationships with those communities that they're serving. We want to deploy them in the key 
strategies of how you actually de-escalate situations rather than escalate them. When I was a teacher or a principal and a kid yells at you or curses at you, you can't just swing at them. You actually have to learn how to calm them down from where they are and make that situation, uh, I think, more addressable. Uh, the other one is, is deploying officers in a different way. We actually want back what worked the best in the city, which is real community-based policing, where you have officers that are actually out on a beat, walking in neighborhoods, talking to business owners, talking to residents, building relationships, not a version of folks in military uniforms behind squad cars chasing around the city. That is a different kind of policing and a different kind of protecting than what we have right now. Uh, and finally, I do believe we actually have to hold people directly accountable. You know, when you go to the airport, United Airlines doesn't say, hey, you know, 70% of our airline pilots are really great. Only about 30% of them crash. Uh, there are certain places where we have incredibly high levels of expectations, and people that have the public trust to be our police should be the same. That's why I've supported uh, qualified immunity uh, being changed. I support keeping that as it is and making sure we do hold officers accountable when they violate people's constitutional rights. Thanks, Mike. Kelly? <laughs> uh, I agree, Mike. That was hot. <laughs> um, uh, let me start by saying one thing that really has stood out to me is I think I've been in living rooms all over this city. And in some living rooms, people will say, we need more police officers and you can put them in my backyard. And in some living rooms, people will say, we're over-policed, our kids are pulled over constantly and it's not working. And I think we have operated as a city as if only one of those things can be true. And the reality is both of those things can be true at the same time. And you need a mayor who's prepared to lead based on that understanding. So for me, this is a recognition that we haven't been sending the right responder to the right issues. It sets up our community to have a bad interaction with our officers. And when you look at the data, we could double. Uh, the number of star responders or mental health professionals that we're sending out, and that would be my highest priority on day one, to make sure we're sending the right people to the right issue. We then uh, have the opportunity to look at our own officers and hold them accountable. And an example of this I'd give you is, we saw last summer a shooting in Lodo and a grand jury who responded. And my public statement has been ever since that grand jury, that grand jury got it right. And we need to have a mayor who's willing to say and hold our police officers accountable when they don't get it right and support them when they do. And I'm capable of doing that. But I also believe we have to focus on how we really prevent crime. We actually know this is where we're more effective. When we provide opportunities for our kids to have recreational. Uh, and when I was chief of staff for Higginlooper, by the way, we, instead of responding to increasing violence we saw with our kids, we opened our rec centers for free for the first time in Denver's history. And we saw our kids uh, were fewer victims of crime and committed less crime. I think prevention of crime is key for the next mayor going forward. And you'll see every member of my cabinet being responsible for just that. Thanks, Kelly. All right, we are getting up to our final round. This is a, we're going to have Fire on the Mountains El Jefe, which is 222,666 Scoville units. Wow. I, I, so, don't, I don't know what that means. It means it's really, really, really spicy. Oh, it's so spicy the lights went red. Speaking of oh, kids. Oh, wait, just, what'd you say? The Lakers are winning? Speaking of kids, make my kids eat one of those, by the way. <laughs> because they should, they should have to eat those. You know when there's no sauce required, you're at next level. It's just baked in. Yeah, go for it. 
In the case of incapacitation, what happens with the rest of the debate? I am not a doctor, Mike. Okay. I don't know. Hopefully somebody in here is qualified for that. I'm just a podcast host. <laughs> Zero qualifications. That shit's hot. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that means we're ready to go. Next question. Um, Kelly, you're on the record stating that you would stop the sweeps as mayor while at the same time stating that you would involuntarily commit or arrest those who don't go or won't go to sanctioned locations or treatment centers. Mike, you're on the record stating that you wouldn't stop the sweeps. Um, I would love, I I think uh, the next question is, how have unhoused folks that you've spoken with reacted to your policy promises? Um, Kelly, I'll start with you. Um, I would say um, unhoused people that I've met with throughout this campaign, and I'm very sorry, this shit is really hot. Um, uh, it works on you slowly, too. It's not all I would once. say, yeah, it's a little delayed. Um, I would say strong support for ending sweeping because it is just so destructive and inhumane. Um, the conversation for me that has been about uh, in the situation where you might take someone to Denver Cares or um, involuntarily take them, use the law to take them in, has been a discussion about the number of deaths that we've had. Last year, 173 people who are unhoused uh, died on our streets. The year before, 269. And I'll be honest, this has been an emotional conversation, not just hot wings that are making me feel emotional about this. Um, And when I do talk with people, particularly in encampments, um, their emotion uh, has come out, um, and in particular, women, who say to me, if you don't get me to a safer location, I will die out here. And so I do think this is hard, and hard to figure out exactly how you get it right. But for me, saving people's lives feels like it has to be my priority as mayor. And while I'm confident our strategy and approach is really built based on what unhoused people tell me will work best for them, that is moving in the communities they've built with their families, with their partners, with their pets to safer locations should get everyone to safer locations. But there may be a rare instance where we have to take an additional step, and I would take it to save someone's life. Mike? Uh, Thank you. This is a very important topic, so I'm going to try to get my pain out of the way before I start. Uh, So I was in line at one of the shelters with uh, someone who was waiting there for breakfast. And as I was talking to him, I noticed he had next to him a bag with a construction hat in it. And I said, oh, are you working construction? He said, yeah, I've been working for 10 or 11 months. This is actually the first night I've been back on the streets in 11 months. And I said, what happened? He said, well, you know, I did two tours in Iraq. Uh, I came home, and I had an injury, and when I was recovering from that injury, I got addicted to opioids, uh, and I've been addicted for a while and fighting it, and I've been back in treatment now. I go to to a methadone clinic. He said, but I also work construction, and I have to be at the construction site at 5.30 every morning to be able to get to my shift. I also have to be able to get on a bus at around the same time to get to the methadone clinic if I'm going to get my treatment, and so I got to make a decision day by day, what am I going to do? And he said, this week I just didn't feel like I was going to make it through if I didn't go. So I went to the methadone clinic. I missed my shift. I didn't get paid. And I couldn't pay the rent at my hotel. So I'm now back on the streets tonight. 
That for me is a deep sign of someone that we are disserving. Uh, I do not believe the strategy is to arrest that person. I do not believe the strategy is to punish that person. I think what he needs clearly is access to housing, housing where he's got storage, where he can leave his stuff, where he can lock his stuff, where he knows it's safe, where he has access to mental health services, access to addiction treatment on site, access to workforce training, and he can get his life stabilized in a way that he can get back up on his feet. He is fighting with everything he's got to get his life back together. All he needs is a city who's willing to provide him a little bit of help in getting that together. And to me, that's about housing first. That's about workforce support. That's about addiction treatment. And it's about providing that in a way that's easy for him to access so the things that are already hard don't have to be harder. Thanks, Mike. <clears throat> All right, we're winding down, but I'm going to make you eat another one of those. Sorry. This is the El Jefe from Fire on the Mountain. <clears throat> I'll let you bite in, and then we'll do a couple rapid-fire questions for you guys. Really puts the fire in rapid fire, doesn't it? <laughs> so we were going for. <laughs> it helps if you really don't let your lips touch it. You have a much better chance. It's true. It's true. Oh, wait, I had two questions on here. Okay, we're going to go rapid fire. Uh, Kelly, then Mike. Uh, do you support moving the Denver municipal elections to November? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly answered twice. Yeah. Thanks for my lifeline out there. I, I think I do, yeah. Uh, okay. Mike? Yeah, I also think it makes much more sense. All right. Well, that's done. Okay, we're going to do it. <clears throat> uh, next, uh, Chipotle or Illegal Pete's? Ooh. <laughs> this is going to be unpopular, but Chipotle's closer to my house. So i got to say Chipotle. <laughs> Kelly. I have to say Chipotle. <laughs> wow. Okay. Going for that Denver-style, Mission-style burrito. Okay, okay. Hot takes. Hot, t- hot takes here. Uh, okay. Do you support eliminating single-family zoning in Denver? I don't... I, I, I give up. You go ahead, Kelly. Um, across the board is what you're asking. Yes. Um... I'm so close, but I don't support doing it all at one time, no. Okay, Mike? Uh, uh, I believe in forcing us to build much more density and hit targets to do it, but it doesn't mean we have to do the same zoning policy in every neighborhood. Okay, interesting. All right. Uh, Do you support more bike lanes, Mike? Yes. Okay, Kelly? Yes, and I'd like them to be safe, and I'd like us to stop killing those of us on bikes. Agreed, 100%. Uh, Bachelor franchise or Love is Blind? I almost said Love Island, and I was like, oh, that's me and one other person in here watching that show. So, Mike. Um, Bachelor. Okay. Kelly? Love is Blind. Okay. Okay. Uh, When is the last time you paid rent? Kelly. Mm. Hmm. Bring out the big guns. Uh, For myself or my kids? For yourself. Uh Okay. Um, um, 1991. Nice. Okay, Mike. 2004. Okay. And uh, last but not least on the rapid fire, Illiches or Lakeside? (laughs) Keep in mind, the moderator may or may not have a Lakeside tattoo who is on the (laughs) stage right now. Uh Lakeside, because there's nothing more terrifying than knowing you might actually collapse while you're on the roller coaster. That adds real terror. It could fall apart at any moment. Okay. Kelly? 
Lakeside because it's, um, you know, historic. It's been here forever. Family owned and operated. I could go on. I'll give you a tour. Anybody wants a tour? Okay. Um, we've got one more question before we get to the ice cream cool down. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Do you guys have more wings? Yeah, you have yeah, to eat another one. Go ahead. One. Give us you the You gotta question. eat another one. Sorry, I'm glad not we got sorry. To do, I'm glad we got to do three rounds of the hottest wings. You know, you could have done three rounds <laughs> earlier on. I feel like you had this I plan, Brie. I, I honestly didn't plan that part, but I appreciate my colleagues who did. Good job, you guys. You did great. Okay, one of the headlines of this race has been the large amount of outside spending. Uh, your two campaigns received the most outside donations of all the candidates. Mike, the largest contributors to your campaign were billionaires Steve Mandel and Reid Hoffman, as well as Kent Theory. Kelly, uh, the National Association of Realtors, have spent nearly half a million dollars uh, towards uh, ads for you. And uh, we know that you both don't coordinate with these folks, but money talks. Um, how do each of you think these groups are expecting you to lead Denver? Kelly? First, I'll start by saying... <clears throat> If you can hear me, I'll start by saying <clears throat> um, I, don't, I don't like the independent expenditures. I don't like it because uh, you don't get to say how to represent me or not represent me. or And so I wish it wasn't uh, part of what was happening. Um, I do respect uh, that people, this has been equated from our Supreme Court with speech, and so I understand the right people have. Uh, but I prefer to be held accountable for how I talk about myself or others and you lose that in all of this. But I also uh, understand um, lots of people care deeply uh, about what's happening in our city. 90% of the contributions in my campaign, and even as I watch the reports from that independent expenditure are from people right here, even those realtors. It's thousands of realtors saying, you know, we're worried about affordability, frankly, in this city as well. And we need it to work for us too. And um, and so I, I think that's how our campaigns probably should be, is where 90% of the funding for whatever we're trying to do comes from people whose kids go to our schools, who live in our neighborhoods, who care about the future of this region, and who are committed to it. So at least uh, I try to find that positive in all of this. Mike. Uh, yeah, I am... Um very uh, proud of the fact we have more than, I think, 3,000 donations now from uh, Denver supporters to our effort. We had the lowest average contribution size. We've been able to mobilize people all across the city uh, that care about this race. And uh, the folks that are supporting our independent expenditure are the people that support progressive causes all around the country. They're the folks that helped defeat Donald Trump for re-election. They're the folks that help back people like Stacey Abrams and uh, Beto. Uh, they're the people that actually care about the vision we want to bring for Denver. So what uh, have they asked or demanded of me? Nothing. What do I, why do I think they're supporting it? Because they want to see progressive cities like Denver show that you can actually successfully govern. We can both be a welcoming and open city, and we can be a place that uh, solves our crisis around people that are unhoused then that solves affordability and that provides public safety without over-policing. Those are the things that many cities around the country have not succeeded at, and I think they believe Denver can be a proof point. And so for me, that is an opportunity for us to say, yeah, we want to keep Denver progressive. We want to make sure progressive supporters have voices here. Uh, and I think that is different um, from folks that are either have interest before the city or some, uh, you know, I think the Republican funders like Pete Coors or others that have backed uh, Kelly. That's a very different priority. Uh, but for me, it is about progressive people committed to progressive causes for a progressive city. Thank you. Okay. We have one more question, and we're going to give you guys a little break because Nicole's going to bring you sorbet or ice cream. Wow. Sweet. 
You're welcome. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. If I had an edible, I'd be like, yeah, that's definitely what I'm going to do. I'll let you, which I have not today. What is it, Monday? What kind of person do you think I am? Okay. I'll let you guys take What's a bite. What's the bite. score? Yeah, thanks, Kelly. Where's our score keep? Late. 28 into the first Lakers? Yeah, Lakers are up right now. Jeez. Okay. I know, I know many of you are like, why are you talking it's about early. this? It's true. It's early. It's true. Okay. So um, last question. If you could each describe the legacy you hope to leave Denver as the mayor in one sentence, what would it be? Mike. That would be a city that is vibrant and affordable and safe for everybody in every neighborhood. Kelly. A city where every single one of us can make our home, raise our kids, find our future. Awesome. Thank you both so much. This has been bizarre and awesome. Um, Before I let you all go, let me just get a little business out of the way. Um, We want to thank, the bar will be open immediately after I stop talking. So uh, you're welcome to hang out, get a drink, enjoy this space. And thank you so much to Town Hall Collaborative. What a kick-ass space this is, you guys. I love it. Thank you. Um, Okay, one final word. Please remember to vote this year and rally your friends and family to vote as well. June 6th is election day and ballots began going out last Monday. You can still register or update your registration online. Receive a ballot in the mail. And I'm sorry, scratch that. Uh, You can still vote. We'll say that. The (laughs) The voter service center at the downtown Wellington Web Building began serving voters today. And the rest of the voter service centers will open up across the city next Tuesday. One last thing, it is not too late and never too late to register to vote. You can take care of that at any voter service center in Denver. For all voters, make sure you are in line at a drop box or a voter, a voter service center by 6 p.m. on election day, June 6th. Go vote. Thank you, Mike and Kelly. And thank you all for being here. Thanks for all the organizations to put this together. Calor, New Era, One Colorado and Cobalt. And I am Bree Davies from CityCast Denver. Oh, Juicy, hi, hello. Juicy, again, tip, tip, thank, lovely host. Thank you all so much. 